Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him with blast of a ram's horn. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. If I haven't met you before, my name is Cody. And today I have been given the assignment to sort of wrap up our sermon series on authentic church. This morning, I will be speaking on authentic worship. Now, first, I I would like to say I I thank God for this opportunity to be here with you all. Um, Ever since the day that I met John, really, he's been such a great friend. And not only a friend, I may be even able to call him a brother. Um, uh, we're, we're like a brother from another mother, but the same father. Amen? But the same father. Amen? And so this morning, uh, yeah, so we'll, 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 we'll take a look at worship, and we're looking at it trying to discover what is authentic worship. Now, during my time in ministry and being a part of different churches, as well as studying the, 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 the issues of church conflict, why do churches break up? Why do uh, churches have so many divisions? Why do some sit there and some sit there? What's going on with this? Why are churches splitting? As I looked in the topic of church conflict, I came across one of the main reasons. 80% of the time, churches split because there's not an agreement on worship. Hey, we should do worship this way. No, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. We should do it that way way. No, no, no. We should have the lights do this. We should have the smoke come from the background. No, 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 no. We should sing these songs. We should sing those songs. Those songs represent authentic worship. Now, the problem is, is that unfortunately, many churches have sort of started to worship their worship style. Judson Cornwall writes, Whenever the method of worship becomes more important than the person of worship, we have already prostituted our worship. There are entire congregations who worship praise and praise worship, but who have not yet learned to praise and worship God in Jesus Christ. This quote reminds me of two brothers named Abel and Cain. In Genesis 4, God had obviously instructed them on how he would like for them to worship. Abel, knowing how God would be pleased through worship, he decided, okay, I'm going to worship God like this, based on God's desires. Cain, his brother, said, you know what? Um, I think God uh, should be worshipped like this. I'm going to worship him based on my desires. God accepted one. Abel's, and he rejected 
kings worship. The problem we have in today's church, in so many churches, is we don't even have Cain and Abel. We have two kings, two groups, seeking to worship God their own way. So, somehow God has ended up being left behind in the race for our hearts. There's a songwriter who says, Lord, I've been singing like you are everything, but I have been living like you're second to me. You see, there's this me-first Christianity that chokes out authentic worship. We have made worship all about ourselves. Oftentimes, God can't receive our worship because we are in the way. Seven times in the book of Exodus, Yahweh says to the God of Egypt, let my people go so that they may worship me. Let my people go so that they may worship me. It is my prayer this morning that God would press the eject button and remove everything in our lives that seek to occupy his throne. Lord, bring to submission everything that desires our worship, including ourselves. Amen? But if we are going to authentically worship God, we must do our part as well, right? So how do we loosen ourselves from the grip of consumerism? From saying, you know what, I, I, I give my tithes here, I give my offering here, huh? I subscribe to this ministry, they ought to worship to my liking. How do we loosen ourselves from that? How do we walk out of the prison of our oppressor? How do we set ourselves free from idolatry? How do we worship God authentically? We must first begin understanding that worship is not a genre of music. It is not something like an instrument that we get to tune to our liking. No, worship is a continuous outpouring of life. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Satan was standing outside of a church building one Sunday morning. And inside the church building, there was a lot of singing, a lot of dancing, a lot of praising. People were listening to the sermon that Sunday morning when all of a sudden a guy walking on the sidewalk stopped and said, hey, Satan, man, that must bother you. Satan looked back with a demonic look on his face and said, nah, not really. They'll be back on Monday. Sunday morning worship is just the habit that they've picked up. It's just the habit. Lord, set us free from this habit of seeing worship as a Sunday-only thing. Worship has been limited to what happens on Sunday morning. 
but worship is a continuous outpouring of life. In our everyday lives and the fact that we exist, in our beating hearts, in our thinking minds, there is worship. The psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Paul says it this way, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. God didn't create, he didn't create us to worship, to begin worshiping. He created us worshiping. In his book, Unceasing Worship, Harold Best writes, God is the uniquely continuous outpourer. He cannot help but give himself, reveal himself, pour himself out. Even before he chooses to create and before he chooses to reveal himself beyond himself, he eternally pours himself out to his triune self and unending fellowship, ceaseless conversation, and immeasurable love unto infinity of the same. We were made in that image. We were made in the image of the outpouring God. He created us as outpouring people. The mistake we often make is to see worship as an occasional event. We worship sometimes. But whether we are conscious of our worship or not, Worship is always happening. Everybody serves somebody, and it is always occurring. Paul, understanding that our worship is continuous, writes to the Corinthian church. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Paul is saying here, do all of life for God's glory. Worship is not like a dripping faucet where the water is sometimes there and sometimes not. No, worship is more like a raging river heading in one direction. In this sense, we are all worship directors. God even calls us to help others direct their worship to him. That's called discipleship. Eugene Peterson says, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. In essence, worship and discipleship go hand in hand. With our continuous outpouring of life, worship, we are to obediently direct life towards Jesus and keep it there, discipleship. God didn't create us to worship. He created us worshiping. We are to direct our already existing worship towards Jesus. Now, after God created us worshiping, man decided to sin by worshiping themselves instead of God. This entanglement with sin led to the captivity of man. This is what we call the fall. Man has fallen out of its relationship with God and fallen under the control of Satan. The crafty serpent who deceived man into redirecting their worship 
away from God, was then told by God, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, the offspring of a woman is the incarnate son of God, Jesus, our Savior, who loved us so much that he came and died in our place to repair our broken relationship with his father. His worship, through his worship, there is life. Through his worship, we are pleasing to God. The Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. And for us who believe, he also raises us from out of the control of sin and Satan. And he places us in his son, Jesus. You see, there's freedom in Christ. Through Jesus, we have true worship. Today, my task is, is to help us understand how we can authentically worship God through Jesus. You see, authentic worship is love. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40 says, When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. He said, Teacher, which command in the law is greater? Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. In other words, with our life, which is continuously in worship, we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. There was a young teenage boy and a young teenage girl. Uh, they met every Friday evening on her grandmother's porch in the ghettos of Pompano Beach. Uh, they spent a lot of time there away from people, and they talked about all kinds of stuff. They talked about what they wanted to do when they grew up. She would say, hey, I, I want to I go off to college and get away from this place. He would say, you know what, I want to go to the Army. Get me one of those good-paying jobs. They even talked about someday having a family together. And then one particular Friday morning, he started feeling tender towards her. He grabbed her by the hand, looked at her in the eyes, and said, baby, you should let me love you. Let me be the one to give you everything you want and need. She snatched her hand back and said, child, please. He said, no, 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 no. See, you don't understand. Baby, I would cross the ocean for you. I will go and bring you that moon if you want it. I promise you, I'll do anything for you. As she began to walk him down the steps, and he opened up the gate, 
turned around and said, now as long as it don't rain, <laughs> I'll see you next Friday. Grandma would say, oh, that's puppy love. He, he can't even come see you in the rain. And if we're honest, some of us are just satisfied with giving God just a little puppy love. Jesus said, love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We must love God if we're going to worship him authentically. Don't just love him with your emotions. Love him with your actions and include your emotions. Let's take a look at a woman who authentically worshiped God with her love. Then one of the Pharisees invited him, Jesus, to eat with him. He entered the Pharisees' home and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisees' house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to him, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, with her tears, has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiving little, loves little. She noticed that her sins had been forgiven, and out of an overflow of gratitude, she worships God with her love. She takes her emotions with her, and she pours herself out before him. Now, there's nothing wrong with contemplative worship with being still before God and sitting quietly as you reflect on his goodness. But if that is always the case, and you are never moved emotionally, there may need to be some healing there. We should also check our gratitude levels and ask the question, 
How thankful am I that God has seen my sin and chosen to forgive me. Worship literally means to bow down before. Now, I know in our culture, seeing someone bowing down is a bit strange. And the only time we see it happening is when we go to the park or something and we see a Muslim sitting down or on his knees uh, on a mat facing the east and praying to his God. And we think to ourselves, that's weird. But this woman didn't care how embarrassing it was. She didn't care if people found out that she was going through something and talked about her in the streets. She might have thought like Paul and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that leads unto salvation to everyone who believes. This is my God right here, and I'm going to worship him with my love. I don't care how embarrassing it is. She worshiped God with her time, her resources. She even used her hair as an instrument of worship. And Jesus says, yes, she's worshiping me because she loves me much. Failure to love God lies at the heart of idolatry. Our love for God is authentic worship. Just a few suggestions. You struggle in this area to love God genuinely. Schedule some date nights with just you and God. Enjoy some alone time with him in the park. Leave your phone in the car. And enjoy God through worship. Now here's where worship gets a bit difficult. If we are to worship God authentically, we must keep his second command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whether we are loving God or loving others, our love is to be in response to God's love for us. Love of neighbor signifies a concrete responsibility to seek the greatest good for both non-Christians and Christians. Let's begin with the non-Christian. Martin Luther King Jr. said, we have before us the glorious opportunity to inject a new dimension of love into the veins of our civilization. We will use the example from earlier this month to explain love of neighbor. As we watch the events that took place on January 6th of this year, and as a Christian who is black, I struggle to process how do I respond in a way that is pleasing to God while acknowledging my pain and frustration. In other words, how do I authentically worship God with love of neighbor through this? If I am honest, the hypocrisy of some people, some churches, and even our nation, it is tough to deal with. 
And there in my heart is a rising desire to do something about it. But through the scriptures, I know that justice without Jesus is vengeance. And God doesn't call us to be people of retaliation, but we are the people of reconciliation. Although disgusted by the behavior of others, as a Christian, I must stop to notice that God has loved me through all of my ugliness. So observing God's love for me, I must leave room in my heart for compassion towards others. To authentically worship God through the love of neighbor, we must listen to our neighbors. As I listen to the screams and the anger in the voices of those who were rioting, I realize that there's also some pain there. There's some hurt there. Some may have had good-paying jobs, and some might have been from rural America where resources are low and poverty is high. Before lashing out in retaliation, love says, maybe if I would have been told a lie all of my life, I would be out there rioting also. But only by the grace of God, he withheld us from a destructive education that motivates towards the hatred and murder of another. Now the media says we must affirm everything one group says or we must hate everything about that group. In our world, there are only two options. But Jesus says no. There's another way. You can authentically worship me through love. Love is not forsaking of your feelings and beliefs. But according to the scriptures, love is characterized by gentleness and humility. There is no more appropriately equipped people on the planet to deal with this than the Christian, than the church. To love our neighbor, we should first start by having conversations with them. But what if I fundamentally disagree with that person? Brothers and sisters, we can still seek a person's greatest good while maintaining our Christian beliefs. By the way, that's one of them. <laughs> we must authentically worship God through the love of our neighbor. But our love for neighbor includes our love for one another. And if we're honest, sometimes it's easier to love a non-Christian than it is a Christian. For some reason, we just assume that Christians ought to know better. But Peter says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. And his commentary to the Galatian Christians regarding the second command to love your neighbor as yourself, Paul says, serve one another through love. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. In essence... Another way that Satan 
seeks to devour Christians is by getting them to bite and devour one another. Satan seeks to disrupt the plans of God by injecting hatred in the hearts of Christians. His idea is to get the body of Christ to self-destruct. Earlier, we looked at a passage from Genesis 3 regarding the offspring of God and the offspring of Satan. From the beginning, the people of God and the people of the devil has sort of mingled with one another. We both occupy the same earth. But John gives us some intel when it comes to discerning between the two. He says in 1 John 3:10 through 12, this is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. You see, our love for fellow believers is the evidence that we are the children of God. Now, what does that look like in the context of worship in a church? John shows us how to conquer this inability to worship God authentically in the area of love. We look no further than to Jesus' example of being the lamb who was sent and the lamb who laid. In 1 John 4.10, we read, Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. As children of God, we must love like he loved. How did he love? When we didn't love him, he still loved us. Love is not an investment where we wait for our return. Love is not a scale where we balance how much they're given before we say how much we'll give. Love is not a give and take. Love is one-way trip towards the greatest good of another. I hear you, preacher. But uh, you don't know such and such. <laughs> uh, with that person, uh, I don't even know where to, where to start, preacher. The second, or, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the scripture says, he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us and sent himself towards us. He loved us first. His love for us was not determined by our love for him. If our love is determined by the degree of someone else's love for us, then our love isn't love. We have to go some places with some people. We have to stop waiting for them to initiate. Love is proactive. It moves first. That's where we begin loving others. We sin ourselves. As the children of God, 
we know he loved us first. So we must move first. We must initiate. We pick up the phone. We set up meetings. We remind them of the gospel, the forgiveness of God through the life, bloodshed, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we tell them that as the children of God, we are called to love like he loved. That's where we begin the conversation. And we trust the Spirit of God to lead us through the rest. In light of the love of God for us, we place the responsibility to love squarely on ourselves. In so doing, we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is our true worship. Lastly, we take a look at Jesus, the Lamb who laid John tells us in 1 John 3.16, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Corporate worship should be a people who come together laying down their desires for the sake of their brothers and sisters. This morning, worship was so fitting. It was so pure for the topic of authentic worship. God has a way of working things out. Our sister sat here, played the piano, and sung beautiful songs. We joined in in worship, and that's all we need to worship God. That's all we need to worship God. We have to get our minds off of it needs to be like this. It needs to be like that. Jesus shows us that worship is primarily for God, not for ourselves. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like worshiping to that song. Jesus prayed to his father, and he said, Lord, I don't feel like going to the cross. If it is possible... Let this bitter cup pass from me. But his love for God and his love for us compelled him to do what he didn't feel like doing. He said, it is not about what I want. It is about what God wants. Father, let what you want be done. By the time our Savior got done laying down his desires, he got up from prayer, and his whole attitude changed. Hebrews says, for the joy, for the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the God who loved us first. Hallelujah to the God who laid down his life. Hallelujah to the God who showed us how to authentically worship. Hallelujah to the God of all of creation. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. 
Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with the blast of ram's horn. Praise him with harp and leery. Praise him with tambourine and with dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the end, worship from the heart is not about the newest, latest, greatest, or hottest song on the charts. It's not about the oldest, most obscure, and well-known song. In fact, true worship is not about a song at all. It's about a son. It's about our bringing to him our soul, our life, and our all. To love God supremely and to love other people purely is the beginning and end of life. It is the way God intended our worship to be lived. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.